if you would turn in your Bibles or um, it's also in your bulletin to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. This is the second to last sermon uh, in our study of 1 Peter. To give you an idea so you can start praying and also looking ahead, we are going to start a new sermon series after 1 Peter um, in September in the book of Isaiah. We're going to start working through the book of Isaiah, which is known as uh, just, just one of the greatest books in the Old Testament. It's the most quoted book in the New Testament. Isaiah is known as the Paul of the Old Testament. Uh, it's a really great book that points us directly to Christ Jesus. It will be a blessing going through it. But as my wife and I were sitting there watching a YouTube video, The Bible Project, which explains like in drawings, Isaiah, she said, are you sure you want to do this? Because it is so confusing. Okay. So pray for me. Pray for your elders. Um, and that God would bless us through the, the preaching of his word. Again, we are in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, and this is God's word to us this morning. Peter says to the church, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. We're going to stop there. Um. I was at an event this week where, or, or recently, and many people from various different churches, some unbelievers there as well, and what they had us do is an exercise where we broke up into multiple different groups and we would read a passage of scripture, a long section of scripture in one of the gospels, and then we were supposed to envision ourselves there and then kind of afterwards just discuss in our groups what we thought about the passage and then we came back together and the leader had each person uh, a representative of each group get up and explain what they learned from that passage what that passage was teaching us and as people got up and started to say what they uh, thought the lesson taught and they said it with much confidence uh, I realized they had missed the point. And we had been, the exercise was only about 15 minutes, and they were jumping to conclusions in many ways. They had not really dug deep into the passage about um, what it was really about. And then we were done, and everybody was dispersed. And I actually was sitting in the back, and so I had a, a good view like this, kind of like right now, but to the back of everybody's heads. And in this situation were some church leaders, and all I could think of is this is a bunch of sheep without a shepherd. And it was absolutely sad. Um, it, 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 was, it was heartbreaking 
in a sense. And in God's providence, I lead a men's Bible study every Friday morning. And there were two of the guys there in my Bible study. And they happened to be in my group. And I was able throughout that time to say, guys, let, let's look at this passage, you know, this coming Friday and really discover what it is. And I had preached on the passage like eight years ago. And I knew, I didn't know what the passage meant. And that's okay. Sometimes it's okay just to say, I don't know yet. Because the Bible isn't so quick that you can just pick it up and this is what it's about. Boom. And so that Friday, we, it gave me time to study the passage and we opened it up. And it, me and these brothers sitting there, once we all dug in and they pointed out things and I pointed out things, we got to see what God was really showing in this passage. And it was so much deeper and more beautiful and right than what these other gentlemen had settled for. And so as I was sitting there, I was thinking, what a blessing, what a blessing it is that God has given us elders and pastors to shepherd us, to walk us through these fields of scriptures, to uncover the treasures that are always hidden beneath the surface of every single passage that is in the scriptures that are here. The great thing I'm going to be talking to in this passage, it, it is to elders, but it's also good for all of us here. The reason why is because your elders are chosen by you. Your pastor is chosen by you. And when I use the word elder here, it, we have two classifications in elders. And, you know, there's uh, some, a little bit of debate in the church, but uh, I think it's kind of unified. We understand that there is a ruling elder that is gifted in, it's not their full-time ministry. And then there's teaching elders like myself. We're, we're equal in power. Nobody has, we just have different gifts. We're even equal amongst every other person in the church. We just have gifts of leadership and, 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 and teaching that is ours. Um, so that is, uh, these elders are chosen by you. Um, they, they are, are there to love us and guide us. Here's the outline. We're simply going to be working through this text. And I'm going to come up, instead of just points, I've got some truths that kind of come out of the text. Um, these truths, I understand I can, I can teach through this text like this because the scripture has this point where it says the sheep hear his voice. And as we uncover this passage, the sheep will hear his voice and you will hear God talking to you through this word. So please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we ask for your help in this passage. We ask that you would help us uncover these truths and be able to see what is here. We ask that you would bless us by the preaching and the teaching of your word, that we would be transformed, that we would understand what you are doing and how you're doing it, and that you would bless us and bless me. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So we look in, in verse 1, it says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Uh, First thing I want to point out is that it's talking about elders. Now, elders is men who are leading in the church. This is not a New Testament thing. This is all over in the Old Testament. When Moses was given leadership over the people of Israel, they would always bring him their troubles and their problems, and God would speak to Moses, and he would lead the people throughout the desert. 
And he had his father-in-law, who was wiser and older, come and was visiting the family. And he saw all the work that Moses was under. And Jethro gave wise advice to Moses. And he says, you're going to burn yourself out. You need to appoint elders that oversee this flock. Appoint some that are over 50. Appoint some that are over 100. And let them to decide and rule the people and lead the people in such a way that they can make decisions on the smaller things. Anytime there's a big decision, let them bring it to you. In Exodus 24, so we see that God, through Moses, appoints elders. In Exodus 24, after God gives them the Ten Commandments, he calls Moses and the 70 elders up to the mountain. And they meet with God and they feast with God. And God gives Moses the tablets of stone. And God says to Moses, he says, I will take some of the spirit that I have put on you, Moses, and I will put it on them, and they will help you to bear the burden of, your, of my people. So we see that elders is not a new thing. It was in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, this understanding that God has put, placed men over his church also continues. When Paul travels and acts all throughout uh, the region of the Roman Empire at that time, every place he comes, he's evangelizing, preaching the gospel. And through God's grace, people are receiving it and hearing it. And it is very interesting what it says. Uh, Paul says in Acts chapter 14, he says, Paul encouraged them, encouraged them to continue in the faith. And he says this, you are going to enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. And the text goes on and says, therefore, he appointed elders. The idea is that these elders are necessary for God's people because God's people are going to be traveling through difficulty. So we see the example of everywhere there is a group of believers, God appoints elders to oversee them and to bless them. Uh, in the New Testament, there's also qualifications for the elders. We find this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, in Titus 1. Uh, these are explaining what kind of men are these elders to be. Uh, th they are uh, supposed to be qualified, just not any kind of man, but they are supposed to be qualified. And then it, it tells us that we are supposed to subject ourselves to them. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says this. At the very end of this beautiful book of Hebrews where the writer of Hebrews is writing to multiple congregations, he says to them, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So we see that God continues throughout history to place elders over his sheep, these, these elders are necessary. They're part of the flock themselves. And there is a call for us to obey the elders. Now, this is, is challenging because, especially in our culture, in our time, there's such an individualistic mindset. Individual mindset that this idea of us submitting to somebody that we don't have to submit to, None of you had to join the church. There's no outside force, a gun to your head. This is willingly uh, joining the church. There is an, uh, there is a uh, expectation of obligation. Um, and some people say, well, I have freedom in Christ. 
I have, I'm not going to put myself under any man or any, under any church. But actually, that is rebellion. It's straight up rebellion. I have this conversation with a lot of people that it's important to join the church. And they'll say, well, I don't see that in the scriptures. It's very clear in the scripture that that is expected. Take, for example, where in the Hebrews verse it says, your elders are going to have to give an account for your soul. Well, how, who do they know to give account for? Who do they know who to watch over for? Unless it's very clear who are their sheep. Even in our passage where it says, uh, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. He's not telling the elders, you have to shepherd every Christian. But as you picture even in the, old t- the, the idea of ancient Israel and farming, flocks, shepherds have certain flocks. They don't have every sheep. There's a, there's a unit to them. Who do you, uh, Christ is the chief shepherd and he is given under shepherds. So the, the very first truth is Christ has given you. He has given the church elders that they are to lead and we are to follow. Uh, that's actually a really gracious God. That is a, a great thing. You have somebody looking out for you. School has just recently started and we take our kids to school. And one of the things that happen when you spend time at the school is you'll notice that there's an outcast. Were any of you guys an outcast at school? Where there's these kids that don't have a group with them. They're lone rangers. Sometimes we in society can feel like a lone ranger. But if you are in the church, know that you are not a lone ranger. Christ has given you elders to care for you and watch over you. So in this passage, uh, back to verse 1, it says, notice the way what he says. How, he, he says, so I exhort the elders among you. And then he gives three identifiers. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory to be revealed. Paul gives, Peter gives these three identifiers about himself to the people. He says, I'm a fellow elder. I'm a witness of Christ's sufferings. I'm also partaking in the glory that's going to be revealed when Christ returns. This is interesting because couldn't Peter have said, I exhort you, shepherd the flock? Because that's the main charge that Peter is going to give to the elders. Shepherd the flock. He could have just said, I exhort you, shepherd the flock. But why does he give so much personal information? You know, um, we're going to be going through a Sunday school starting in the fall. And one of the Sunday school classes is going to be how not to read the Bible. There's many common mistakes that we as Christians, myself included, do when we come to the scriptures. And one of the things that I notice that we can have trouble with and, and is that we focus on things that are not given to us. We focus on details in the scripture that are not presented to us. For example, one of the passages that I've seen people study about, and in this group that I was talking about, we're looking about when Jesus delivers the demonic man and sends the pigs, uh, the demons into the 2,000 pigs, and then the demonic man is in his right mind, and he's sitting there fully clothed, and the townspeople come, and they're just like, what's going on? 
there was a lot, there was discussion and concern about where did he get the clothes? The demonic man was naked before. Where did he get those clothes? What does that show me? Now, ask the question, that's fine, but don't spend time there. God is very clear in his word. He, he puts things in there intentionally. There's, there's things that aren't in there, aren't in there because you don't need to know them. But everything that is in the word of God is there because it's necessary. It points to something. So in this section, this is it, it, what I see in here. As I sit and even prepare this sermon for you, and I am working through this thought process. How do I take this reality and present it to you? And so every illustration, every little point is designed to point you towards there. And so nothing is without purpose. It's all used there to make a point. So why then? Going back to the text, why does P Peter tell us that he's a fellow elder? That Why doesn't he just say, I'm an apostle? Because he is. He, meaning he has all authority. Yes, Peter's an elder, but he's also an apostle. There was only 12. Why doesn't he just say, I will do this? But he humbles himself and says, I'm an elder just like you. And then he, second, he says, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. At first, you can think that this is referring to him saying, I saw Jesus suffer. I saw him get beaten by the centurions, the Roman centurions, have to carry his cross and be crucified. But really, the word witness also points out, and probably in this text, Peter is pointing out to his role. He is a witness of the sufferings. He Peter has taken on the identity and the role and the life of somebody that goes around testifying to Christ who suffered for us. That is what Peter's saying. He's saying, I'm an elder. My whole life is focused on declaring to other people the sacrifice of Christ Jesus on our behalf. And what was always connected at this time in the church history is those people that did that they not only testified to the suffering of Christ, they themselves suffered for it. They themselves were shipwrecked and beaten and ran off and were, were cold. But they committed themselves to testifying about Jesus Christ. I love in 2 Peter, Peter says to the people, basically, as long as I'm still alive, I'm never going to stop telling you about Jesus He suffered. He says, I'm an elder. I'm just like you. I've committed my life to this very difficult and dangerous sacrificial work. And then the third thing he says is, I also know that I partake of the glory of God that is going to reveal. He says, I taste now the blessings that are mine in Christ Jesus. Despite the suffering, despite the cold, despite the shipwrecks, I'm going through. I experience Christ. I experience his peace. I experience the, the hope that is coming. I experience his presence. I experience his spirit. He is saying, I taste this. He says, I have the blessings of Christ and the grace of God, and I experience it, and I'm going to hold on until Jesus comes. What is Peter then doing he is showing a picture of uh, humility. 
He's showing a, a window. What he's doing is he's showing how important this is. He's showing how important to the elders. He's saying to the local elders, he's saying, this is so important to me. This is so serious. This is life and death, what you do here, how you lead the sheep here. He's saying, please, please, please care for the sheep. So in other words, Peter could have came to the elders and said, I'm an apostle, you're my lower commanders, shepherd the flock. And they would have had to rightfully do it. He had the authority to do it. But is that how you approach somebody when it's super serious for you? Or do you, instead of sending an email, do you go to them? Do you sit across from them? Do you start to speak softly? Do you start to plead? And that's what Peter's doing here. He's saying the shepherding of the flock, it, it, there is of no greater importance on this whole planet. These are God's sheep. These are souls. This is important. Please, please, please shepherd the flock of God. Basically, he's saying to our elders, please watch over you. So as I read this, I'm talking to the elders, but also listen to the care that God has for you. Because as Peter pleads for the elders to care for the flock, which is you, where did Peter get this? Wasn't it Jesus who had all authority, was perfect, had control? At the end of the Gospel of John, he comes to Peter himself. And what does he say to Peter? He doesn't say, you shepherd the flock. No, he says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Care for the flock. Peter, do you love me? Love my sheep. As we see how valuable this is to Peter, you and I need to see it's valuable to Peter because it's so valuable to Christ himself. You and I are his flock, his treasured possession that scripture says that he bore our sins on the cross. He reconciled us by the shedding of his blood that we are his treasured possession. You, 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 these two young ones, them are Christ's treasured possessions. And he says, care for them. Please care for them. Feed my sheep. So Peter exhorts them, which is in encouraging them, and he, he pleads for them. So the second truth is God and his son Jesus show his love for us in that he has given you elders to watch over your soul. This also makes me think, why, why would anybody rebuke that? Why do you say, I don't want any authority over it. me. It's just me and Jesus. You're denying the love that God has put in place for you. Melissa and I have this app that uh, we're given to us. Praise God for the state of California. We get some respite help for Ethan. Some people that will come and help us uh, once in a while watch Ethan. And it's this app, and you, you get a picture of them and a little details, and you get to choose your babysitter. And we are so careful of who we choose because we love Ethan. 
God is careful who he chooses, and he tells you be careful who you choose as your overseers and elders because he cares for you that much. Moving on, he says, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God. And that is the, the main command to shepherd the flock, he says to the elders. Um, a flock is a group of sheep. Listen, Christ is willing to call us sheep. Uh, I, I saw a, a, a Christian with this, um, the, the, uh, multiple Christians, they have this, um, this shirt that says uh, uh, something about rise like lions. And it's really talking about like, hey, we're not going to let anybody mess with us. We've got to rise up and take charge. Where scripture talks all the time that we are sheep. There's one lion, it's the lion of Judah. He fights for us, but the rest of us are like bleeping sheep. And this is not also not a new idea. Same way elders is all over the Old Testament. The, the idea of us as sheep is all over the Old Testament. Look at Psalm 23, the good shepherd who leads us beside quiet waters, who, who calms us, leads us to green pastures. Christ or God is revealed as a sheep there. Also in Ezekiel, he's talking to the elders then, and he's saying, you're coming under judgment because you eat the sheep. They were abusing the people that were supposed to be underneath them. And then Peter himself, even just a verse earlier, he says, talking about Christ, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For Peter says, for you were strained like sheep. But you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So scripture is very clear that we are sheep. And God knows all the association of associating us with sheep. And identifying us with that. Because if you study sheep, sheep is one of the oldest uh, trades in the world. The first domesticated animal. And any kind of little study of sheep. And again, God knew what he was identifying us with. Sheep get lost all the time. If they get lost, they can't find their way back to the fold. There was one philosopher in the 1800s or 1900s that basically said, sheep are the biggest argument against Darwinism and the idea of the fittest, the strongest survive. Because sheep would never make it. Sheep, if they're not even sheared, okay, every year they, they get on a new layer. If they go an extra year, they literally stop moving. And they, they, to where they're immobile and they can fall over and die. This is gross. If you don't shave sheep's bottoms, they get so soiled, they don't clean themselves. Flies come in and lay parasites and maggots and it can even lead to death. Sheep are helpless. They need help. They're always strained. They're easily spuked. They have no defense for themselves. They are done if any kind of predator comes. But I thought this was interesting. Sheep are also extremely emotionally complex animals. Did you know this? Sheep uh, feel afraid. They feel angry. They get bored. They're sad. They're happy. Studies have even been done that there are some sheep that are optimists and some sheep that are pessimists. We are complex this sounds a lot more like us than we think. There was a documentary I watched in studying for this about somebody, a shepherd raising sheep in the modern day. And it was this young man that has this group of sheep. And he raises them, I think, in Kentucky or something like this. 
And there was this picture of this guy caring for the sheep and the sheep jumping and biting and running and getting all sorts of trouble. And this one sheep was giving birth. And the baby was backwards. And this man had to stick his hand up into the sheep and help turn the baby around and bring the baby out. And the baby was dead. And you have this pen and this, this mother who's overwhelmed and grieving and lost. And this baby that is lying in his arms is dead. And this, this shepherd, he couldn't do anything. He just sat with the sheep. He's with the sheep. The reality here is that sheep need shepherds. We need shepherds. We can't do it alone. So God is gracious in giving us sheep. So what, what has, what do shepherds, what does elders do? What do they do? What is shepherding? What does that actually even mean? Well, uh, the PCA has our, our church, our, our government, and every church, I would think, has some ideas and standards for what they do. The PCA has gone through the scriptures and in our book of church order that shows us, hey, you're not creating your own understanding for the church, but a bunch of guys studied the scriptures and said, this is what the Bible shows that shepherds do. And let me give you just a, a, a list here. Shepherds are to watch diligently that no corruption of doctrine or moral corruption takes place. They are to watch out for the, the doctrine that the sheep are feeding upon. They're to watch out for the behavior of the sheep, of how they're acting. And, and sometimes that means getting into the sheep's business. You know, don't be surprised if you come under the, the, the rule of the church and, and an elder sees you walking in, in darkness or, or in this sin and they come to you. It's our job. We're going to give account to the great shepherd, to his sheep. He loves you too much. And there's, there's way, and Hebrews is very clear. It says, you know, all discipline is not fun while it's happening, but God disciplines those he loves. And so the church and the elders are responsible for the discipline of the sheep. The sheep and the discipline is always the right discipline. Like a perfect parent saying, son, daughter, you're doing this wrong. There's consequences for this. But I love you, so I'm not going to let you get away with it. There's going to be challenges, and we're going to reform this. It's going to be hard, but we're, you're going to improve. And that's what the elders are to do, to look out for your doctrine, the theology, to uh, look out for how you're walking in your life, if there's sin in your life. And you know, you know how hard it is? Because you, do you, any of you struggle with fear of man, caring about what other people think about you? Am I any different? You think I don't care? Do you think I like people not being happy with me? Do you think any other elder likes people to be uncomfortable? It's hard. But Christ has given us this call to watch over the doctrine and the morality of the sheep. Um, to watch over the church in general. Watch over the, uh, uh, the finances. and we, we get to help in appointing deacons that are also gifted in that way. To care for the grounds. Watch over the finances. Those kind of things. Um, to instruct the immature. All these things. And elders, let's hear this. And any of my prayer in this is that God would be working in some of you men to raise you up into elders. But look at this heavy call to instruct the immature. Those who aren't mature in their faith. 
to grow you, to walk patiently with you, to visit people in their homes, especially the sick. And this is hard in our society. People, an elder or a pastor show up at somebody's house, they're like, what did I do? No, we're, we're to be there with you. We're to investigate. We're to comfort, to comfort the mourn, to nourish and guard the children of the church. This is tough, to set an example by their uh, example to the flock by their zeal for evangelism and discipleship. As elders, it, it, my life ought to show you how I am focused on bringing other people into the kingdom. And they are to pray for and pray with the flock. And they are to seek the fruit of the preach word and the ministry of the, the sacraments. That, that, that's a lot for pastors and elders to do. But that is what we are called to do um, that is shepherding the flock this text is going to talk about how we do it and so we're going to cover that briefly and and here's the beauty as peter in here says this is how you shepherd elders i don't want you just to hear what we are to do but i want you to see into the picture of what christ already does for we are only under-shepherds of the, the chief shepherd. And we are broken cisterns, and we will fail you. And I've been in ministry long enough to see teaching elders and ruling elders removed from the office. But I've never seen the chief shepherd take his hand away from the plow to do wrong. He is perfect. We are imperfect. We point to him. He is the one that can do the work. So first he says here in Verse, uh, verse 2, he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Not under compulsion, but willingly. Not out of duty, but out of delight. That this is something that you want to do. There's so many people in the church that think that elders need to be the successful guys, the smart guys, the brilliant guys, the, the, the uh, business guys. No. Scripture uses the description willingly, guys. Willingly, guys. I have sat on six different uh, sessions or elder boards in, in, in my life. And in these times, I've seen guys on these session boards that you would not think from an eye that this would be the guy. They might be quiet. They might be standoffish. But these guys are there. And one of the things that I tell them when I see somebody struggling, because and it's good, I love it when an elder is like, I don't belong here. Because that's the kind of guy that needs to be there. The guy that says, yeah, this makes sense, this is me. That's the guy you want to fear. But the guy says, I don't belong there, because I, I tell him, Acts chapter 20, when Paul goes to vi visit the Ephesians, he says to them, is the Holy Spirit that has made you overseers of the flock of God. It's not you. So you might be in here and be like, that's not me. Well, who are you to say what God is calling you to do? Be willing, not under compulsion. We can also, guys might do it and they say, well, nobody else is going to do it or I've got to do it. I sat on these sessions and in, in our church, oftentimes you can be an elder and be on the session where you you meet regularly, and it can bear on you, and it's difficult. And so there's times where guys roll off the session. They're still an el elder, but they're kind of taking a break. Well, I've noticed that there's some guys that never roll back on. 
And my first impression when I was younger, I said, we need to make these guys get on the session. And now I've learned, good riddance, stay off. The sheep of Christ are too important for you to do, serve grudgingly. And stand by if you have that attitude. I literally had a, a, a pastor say to me one time, I would do something else if I knew what else to do. Do not rule under compulsion, but rule willingly. Like Christ Jesus, who before the foundation of the world, when God came up with this plan of redemption to redeem a broken, sinful people, Christ said, I will go. He came willingly, no compulsion. Not my will, but your will, Father. Moving on, he's, he says that uh, they should not rule for shameful gain, but eagerly. It's very true that throughout church history, many men have become leaders in the church because there was either financial reward for it, or there was power, or there was prestige. These men were seeking out shameful gain. And you know what I see when I see that? And it still happens. It still happens. And it, it, it can even happen in churches like this or any other church. Because there's a privilege that comes with being an elder. There, there's, there's benefits that come with being an elder. But stand by because Christ will not have it. And like he condemned the elders in Ezekiel, he will condemn these elders that uh, are doing it for shameful gain. But here's the point. He doesn't say, don't rule looking for a reward. No, he says shameful reward. He even tells them that there's a great reward for them in verse 4. He says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Here's the difference, saints. All throughout Scripture, especially even in 1 Peter, it's very clear that there is a point, there's Peter pointing them to a reward, to something worthy to struggle for, to something worthy to strive for. But it's in the future. You can get a taste of it now, like Peter says, but it's in the future. The man who's looking to rise up into leadership because he wants blessing now is doing it for shameful gain. One way I want us to look and understand just this life that you ever go bowling, and if you have young kids, you put up these bumper bumpers, right? Those bumpers are a perfect picture of an elder. Christ is the propulsion behind you, the spirit, and he's moving you down to the end. And that's life. But life is difficult. And we, like sheep, go astray, and we go to the left, and we go to the right. And we're, we're, we're going to go into the gutter, but God puts an elder there. He puts his spirit-guided minister there to take the hits. And so that we bounce through life, but we stay on the lane until we reach the destination. That's what elders are. Why does Paul talk about elders at this point? It's because the section before it, didn't he just say that it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God? And he says, right before us, he says, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator. We've been preaching through 1 Peter, and what is the theme? You're going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. It's real, it's hard, 
It's not pleasant. It's difficult. But sometimes, or not sometimes, but it is the means by which God glorifies himself and builds the church. So you're going to have to endure it. And then here's the good news that he says to us. I have elders here to help you along the way. And so that's why he's talking about elders and these, these men. We are, we are the bumpers to take the beatings but point the sheep by the word back further down the way. Don't do it for shameful gain, but do it eagerly as Christ for the joy set before him endured the cross and went to it because he knows he was building and receiving for himself a people, his own possession, that would dwell with him forever. And elders join in that work. And finally, he says, do not do it domineering over those who are in your charge, but as examples of the flock. Domineering comes from pride, thinking that we are better than somebody else. And he says, this will kill an elder and it will kill a church. As Christ got down on his knees and wrapped a cloth around his waist and washed the feet of the disciples, he says, as you have seen me do, so you also love one another. Christ had all the ability to domineer and control, and yet he humbled himself, taking the point position of a servant. And so he still serves us. He serves us by elders. He serves us by pastors. He guards us. And you know what? The job's not done until Christ returns. So we need more elders in this church and in churches that you're going to go off to and the churches around the world because it is a difficult role. Pray for your elders. It is hard to follow the chief shepherd. It's hard to bear the weight. But when we do, and elders in here, when we do and we fail and we struggle, we remember that we too are sheep. We too remember that we have a shepherd that will guide us by green pastures and still waters. And one of the greatest blessings that we can have as an elder is to know that the church doesn't need us. Christ can make elders rise out of stone. He can raise up elders in an instant. A question I have for some of you is, are you following the chief shepherd? Are you submitting to him or are you still straying? Do you hear him? He is calling you through his ministers and through his elders. Come to him. Repent and turn. Be received into his flock. And also for those of you men in this room, whether you're four years old or 84 years old, is God calling you? Are you willing in your heart, yet you just don't think that you have the skills to do it? Remember what the psalmist says. He says, not by strength, but by God's spirit is how God will accomplish this thing. May he continue to bless his church through broken elders that point people to the grace of himself in Christ Jesus that we may be nourished and fed along the way. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the gifts that you've given us. Thank you for elders who lead us and guide us in humility. Keep us from evil. Keep our hearts from um, feeling like it is up to us. Help us to follow in the example of Christ. 
having joy. Help us to protect the sheep. Help the sheep. Uh, help us be willing to be led, Lord. Even elders and pastors and uh, have those who watch over them. Help us all to submit ourselves to you and to your leadership, to your guidance. We thank you for Christ Jesus who has laid down his life for the sheep and will bring us home. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.